Hello, and welcome to the One Trust Talks Tech podcast. This is episode number seven, recorded on June 26, 2023. My name is Roger Dean, and I work on the product team here at One Trust, and will be acting as the host of this podcast. In this episode, we're going to dive into APIs, SDKs, and integrations. I know there's a lot of confusion out there about what each of these functions are, so hopefully, by the end of the podcast, we will be able to clear all of that up. To help me explain what these functions are and how they should be used, I've asked my colleague and good friend Josue Negron to join me. After that, I'm going to review the new features in the latest release of OneTrust, which is 2023.06.2.0. Before we get started, as always, I just wanted to remind everybody that this podcast reflects OneTrust's current expectations for product capabilities. Be advised that dates and features may be subject to change and should not be relied upon when making purchase decisions. Okay, now moving on to our uh, topic of the week and our guest, Josue Negron. Josue is a senior principal solutions architect. And uh, Josue and I have been working together for like 10 years or so, but uh, he's he's awesome. So just welcome to the podcast, Josue. Thank you for having me, Roger. Yeah, thanks for coming on. It's uh, going to be really great. So I... In my day-to-day, I run into a lot of people who don't understand what an API is or an SDK is or how it's different from our integration workflows that we have in the product. So I thought it'd just be good to spend a few minutes to talk about what an API is and an SDK is and and how all that kind of relates to an integration. So an API, by definition, is an application program interface. Most all websites and and SaaS applications have APIs, people like Salesforce and VMware and, you know, every single major company has APIs into their SaaS applications. And OneTrust is the same way. OneTrust has um, their own set of APIs. And Josue, I know you 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 basically manage the dev portal, which is where we list all those APIs. And also uh, you and I have done a lot of work with APIs. So maybe Give your thoughts on what a, what an API is and, and, and in a way that hopefully people can understand. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess the best way to describe an API, because most people just see the end result, um, the, the UI or the front end of applications and software and don't really understand what's happening on the back end. But APIs is just a communication or it's a language that helps the front end talk to the back end through various different methods or actions. And so whenever you start looking at APIs, I can start jumping straight into the technical and saying, you know, you have like your get, your your CRUD actions, right? Like your get, your post, your put, your patch, delete. But I wanted to explain this in terms that everyone can understand to try to make it a little more consumable or relatable. And so everyone who's listening has hopefully been to a restaurant or has hopefully been served by someone maybe in the hospitality business at a hotel and or something like that. But let's use the restaurant. So Roger and I are going to go to the restaurant and we're going to do something. We're going to sit down, we're going to open up our menus, we're going to have conversations, and we're going to decide what to order from this menu. And so someone's going to come up to the table and greet us. So now we have our waiter entering into this scenario. The waiter is going to come up to us and say, hey, would you guys like something to drink? We're going to say, yeah, let me get water, no ice. Let me get water with ice um, or whatever drink you like drinking. And so the waiter is going to go back to the kitchen and is going to tell the bartender, hey, can I get some waters and come deliver that to us? The next stage is we're going to look through the menu and we're going to order something off that menu. Let's say I want some steak. Roger wants um, Roger. What's chicken. Do you want? Chicken. 
he wants chicken. And so we're going to tell the waiter, hey, okay, here's our order. This is exactly what we want. Hold, you know, the onions or hold. I'm allergic to dairy, so make sure that there's no cream on there. And we're going to let the the waiter know exactly what we want. He's going to deliver that to the kitchen, and he's going to tell the kitchen or the back end, the chef, the sous chef, what we want and exactly how we want it. And then once it's ready, the waiter's going to deliver that to us, and we're going to be happy. We're going to eat our meal. We're going to you know, do our checks and check out. What I described here was how APIs work. In this analogy, the waiter is the API. The, the waiter is communicating with the front end or the users, the diners, what, what they want, right? So they're taking the order, they're going to the back end, they're getting what the user wants and delivering that. And so the user or the app or the service is the one that's requesting data from the back end. The kitchen in this scenario is the back end service or, you know, one trust servers. Um, that's going to hold all of our data, and the waiter or the API is what's going to interface the front end and the back end, or the users with the back end user data. So, in this scenario, you and I are are basically the person that's base logging into a website, and looking at the menu the, of the restaurant is kind of like looking at the website. That's the front end. That's what you describe as the front end. That's what we see when we go to OneTrust.com, and when when we request something, um, we talk to the waiter, and then the waiter goes and he does that function. And then the back end, which is in one trust case, would be the databases and the services and all that stuff that's sitting out there in the cloud that, that makes things happen, is going to put that all together. And then it's going to return through the waiter or, or whoever brings us the food uh, uh, the information. And so that that waiter is the communication method between the front end and the back end. And the front end may not be the OneTrust website. The front end may be a program that you've written um, for your, you know, for your company's use. It may be that you just want to go into uh, an API program like Postman, which allows you to just perform one function and say, hey, go give me all of this information and it'll come back with that. And, and, and then you can use that. So was that an accurate representation of, of who's what and who's doing things? Yep, absolutely. And yeah. so I know I said the waiter's the API, but even more precisely, um, if you think about it, for, for the non-website use case, the menu is the developer portal. Right. That's going to be like the API documentation that lists Those are out all, the all options your options. You got. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then a lot of that times, like you said, with leave off this and add that kind of thing, those are usually what are the parameters of each of those API calls. So if I say I want a salad, but I want this dressing and I want no cheese and this, that, and the other, usually an API, an actual endpoint that you're going to call has got a bunch of options itself. And those can either be done with the actual um, URL that you go to. You can add things there, or there's things called body parameters, which are things that could specify, I only want to see this information or only want to set a date or time or only want to see this many records. And so there's a very, very close analogy as well with customizing your order, you can actually customize the API calls that you make into the back end by, by manipulating those options that are available to you. And those are all documented in the, uh, in the developer portal as well. Um, looking at SDK, Software Development Kit, uh, SDK is really, uh, it's different than an API because this is something that is code that someone has already written 
And when you want to, let's say, for example, you're writing a, an app for a phone and you, you want to do authentication. You want the user to log in to your application, but you're not really good at programming um, authentication stuff. You don't know what SAML is. You don't know what single sign-on is. You don't know what you know certificates are, any of that stuff. So what you would do is you would go out and you would find some third party that has written an authentication service per se, or set of set of routines to do all that for you. And they put that up and they bundle that into what's an SDK software development kit. And then you would just embed that SDK into your application. And now you don't have to worry about how to actually make that stuff happen. You just call the SDK function to say, authenticate this user. And, and that would, uh, th then it would take care of it. And um, Josue, I know you've had a, a little bit of developing applications as well as I have, but uh, would it be fair to say that pretty much every single application out there on a mobile device, even on a, on a computer, has embedded SDKs in it? Yes, absolutely. I, I would say that that's a fair assumption to make. Yeah, no one no one writes all the code, and I've been programming since 1984, and basically, I've learned that you, you're you can be a good programmer, but really, what shows how good a programmer is how big a library of SDKs and and other functions you have that you've collected over the years that you can just pull from and and quickly add to your program. And uh, I know I talked. Uh, last week about having Julian Evans on, who is our pro program manager, product manager in charge of all of our um, SDKs. And I, I, this is a good intro to that. He could not make it this week because he still had some things to get done, but hopefully in a week or two, we'll have him on. Um, I, you know, a lot of times those SDKs will embed code that you don't really know about. So for example, in that authentication example, I might be calling it, say, authenticate this user, but behind the scenes, that SDK may actually be saving that user information in their backend. So as soon as you call that SDK, it actually does some stuff with that data that you don't really know about. And what what Julian's putting together in OneTrust is the ability to, to break that SDK down and actually look at what that SDK is doing and figuring out, is it retaining information? Is it retaining, is it in compliance with uh, the policies that you've set up as a company or that your users agree to? And so that's really fascinating. He's done a lot of incredible work with his team to to really break apart those SDKs and let you know what's going on. So anyway, that was a little prelude into what's coming when Julian comes on. Um, so that's what an SDK is. Now, we've got APIs and we've got SDK SDKs. Um, give us a summary of what the integrations workflow engine is that's part of OneTrust? Yeah, so the integration engine in OneTrust allows customers the ability to string together actions and logic to successfully achieve a business outcome. And so what I mean by that is, let's say it's a, a wrapper for our APIs and integrates third-party systems. And so there's a lot of built-in actions um, what I mean by that is a lot of the APIs that you will see on the developer portal have already been integrated into the integration engine so that you can make use of those APIs through the UI um, in a, a nice UI fashion. You don't really have to be a programmer. You don't have to know C Sharp or anything to, to use that. You can just, it's kind of drag and drop or uh, one of the, used to be a, called a case tool. It's really, you can kind of, it's very graphical to help you put that together. Exactly. Right. And so basically you can create 
integrations with third parties and or integrate OneTrust with a third party through the integration engine to do a if-then-this type action or integration. Um, some of the, the amazing things with the integration engine is you can have different types of triggers. So you, it can be schedule-based, it can be webhook or triggered-based, where if something happens in your third-party system or if something happens in the OneTrust system, you know, new data subject created, then take these actions in OneTrust and or in your third-party system. You can also do a lot of logical things that programmers are familiar with, like for loops, um, while loops, different cases. You can modify the data how you wish, but at the end of the day, it allows you to have a nice graphical way of quickly putting together these integrations that's hosted by OneTrust. So, and you can also integrate pardon the pun, integrate one module of OneTrust with another module of OneTrust. So it, it, when that may not be obvious in the OneTrust console, if you if you saw something happen over in assessments and you wanted to go create something, you know, in a risk or whatever, um, you, could, you could actually create an integration that would take the information that was in that assessment and then you could create your own kind of things by using AP, the built-in API calls in the integrations engine to to create something else in another area of the product. So it's not just one trust to third party, it's one trust to one trust as well. And yep. would it be fair to say that integrations is kind of a level above APIs? So it's, you know, APIs are pretty technical and pretty deep and you have to call, you have to, one API may not accomplish everything you want it to do. It's just one of many steps to get that thing to happen. And the integrations is the level above that, that would allow you to put all that together. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would say, I would best summarize it as a layer of logical extract, extraction from the API. So you have the APIs, but then this is going to give you a UI component to be able to visualize stringing things together to get to your end goal. Yeah, it makes sense. And you could do that yourself if you were a programmer and you wanted to write, you know, a, a C Sharp or Perl or whatever program to to do that if if that's what you wanted to do because those APIs are available as well. And the APIs that would be called from the integrations engine, say to Salesforce or to any of those things, those are publicly available as well. So you could do that as a programmer and put that together, um, or you could just use the integrations engine. Anything else that I missed that you can do? I know you've done a lot more work in the integrations engine than I have. You can, isn't there a way that you can t get data back and parse that data out and then uh, uh, use, use some of the tools that are in there to really get get detailed with what you're doing with data that comes back? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's a lot of different options. Um, I would say the most, my favorite option, uh, just because I do a lot of troubleshooting and debugging, is the ability to not only like parse files and JSON files and get data and like put it back together, but being able to email it to yourself or being able to e send emails based off of the data that you're manipulating or like, let's say you have a trigger from a third-party system that sends data, uh, JSON string, that you're going to then send to a OneTrust API, uh, but you don't have access to that third-party system because it's owned by a biz different business unit, mm -hmm. uh, but the integration's already set up. You can just add steps in between each of your, your steps that say, email me 
everything that <laughs> is that coming just got in. Sent. Oh, okay. uh, and so you can literally like without even looking at the logs like quickly debug everything by just sending it to your email so that's my favorite so you, action in the integration so engine. you could actually build an integration to get the data first look at it and then finish the integration to say okay i want to take this data here and i want to stick it into one trust here so yeah that's a pretty cool way to do that Hope that helps everyone understand the difference between, mainly between the difference uh, between an API and the integrations engine. So APIs, application program interface, very low level. They're the, they're the means by which a, a user or a front end can actually get data from the back end. And then the integrations engine or integrations workflow is the layer above that that lets you string those things together, put logic in, loop, do loops do uh, uh, manipulate the data a lot more than you can do with just an API call. One thing I do need to note is that currently the integrations workflows is a enterprise function, so you would need to have an enterprise license to get access to those. To get access to APIs, you do not need that. All you need to do is ha have the correct licenses for each individual module, and then when you assign the user, you can specify the scope of that uh, user and what APIs that, that user can call in. All you need to do is just have uh, have a license for you know each of those individual modules that you want to make those API calls into. Thanks a lot, Josue. I really appreciate it. Uh, I love your restaurant analogy, and I think that will help everyone out understand what APIs are. Awesome. Thanks, Roger. Okay, now I want to move on to the release that just happened this past week, which is 2023.06.2.0. We're going to go through all the new features in each of the modules. So starting with data discovery, we have a new feature called Guided Worker Nodes, adopting new EFS requirement. Starting with this release, new worker nodes created using the guided installation will default their Elastic File System or EFS storage option to EFS-SC to support the newest Elastic Kubernetes Service uh, cluster requirements. For audit management, new feature called List Screen Save Views. With this, you can create and manage private and public save views for the audit and work paper list screens. This feature allows all users in a tenant to access a specific configuration of columns and filters. In Data Catalog, we've added a couple new features. The first is Seated Patent Tag. So now you can scan data assets with the new patent tag to identify and classify data that pertains to intellectual property rights granted to investors or assignee for their novel inventions, discoveries, or technological advancements. The second uh, new feature in Data Catalog is sort visible fields for term attributes. With this, you can organize attribute columns in ascending or descending alphabetical order for term attributes and create saved views for relevant metadata reviews. In consent and preference management, there's a new feature that gives you a customizable preference center login error message. With this, uh, you can customize the error message that appears for application users that do not have sufficient permission to access a preference center on behalf of a data subject. In incident management, a couple new features. First is numerical text and single select attributes. This feature allows users to capture numerical values related to the incident during manual creation, web form creation, or when answering an assessment. The second new feature in incident management is required task. This feature allows users to create required tasks that must be completed before advancing to the final incident stage. Users can also enable the mark task as required setting when configuring workflow stage rules to create a task. In the mobile and CTV OTT consent product, we have a new Roku feature where you can leverage public methods, a couple of public methods called switch user profile and delete profile to switch or delete user profiles when the enable multi-profile consent setting is enabled on the banner template. 
And the last uh, new product area that has a new feature is third-party risk management. The new feature here is create engagement event triggers. This feature will allow users to create workflow rules to automatically advance to a different stage of the workflow based on the conditions configured. And that's going to wrap up this week's podcast. Uh, thanks for listening a lot. I really appreciate it. Thanks to Hostway for coming on. I hope everyone now has a better understanding of what APIs, SDKs, and integrations are. Uh, if you have any questions about that or any other comments that you'd like to add about the podcast or requests for guests or requests for topic, as always, please feel free to email us at podcast at onetrust.com. Next week is a big holiday week in the U.S., uh, July 4th week, so we will not be doing Episode 8 in the week of July 3rd. We will be doing Episode 8 on the following week, July 10th, so look forward to that. If you're in the U.S. and you're celebrating the 4th, please have a happy, safe 4th of July, and we will talk to you on the 10th. Thanks for listening. <laughs>